find out something that's meaningful to you. And if you can't quit your job, well, don't quit your job, but do something meaningful. And in there, you might just find some happiness. I've never known anyone with a dragon. What does he look like? Just a plain ordinary dragon. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Plain Ordinary Dragon. We're so glad to have you here today. Uh, in fact, before we jump into things, I just want to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us here today. Uh, time is the most precious resource there is, and the fact that you would take a few minutes and spend your time with us is very humbling, and we never take it for granted, and we always appreciate it. Now, with that in mind, today we get to talk to Perry Hayes. Uh, he's a friend we met a couple months ago. Uh, my, my family and I, we decided that we wanted to get into a little bit more kayaking. We wanted to get out on the water and do some, some paddling and, and be out in nature. And there was uh, a, a brand new uh, outfitter that opened up not far from our home. And so we went and checked it out. We got to meet Perry and his wife, Meg, and we were just, we became fast friends. They're just wonderful people. They see the world in a unique way. And I just, you know, we just felt an immediate friendship with them and we really enjoyed what they had, you know, the time that we got to spend with them. As I was going through and thinking about doing interviews, who to interview, I thought it would really be interesting to listen to what Perry had to say. Perry's an incredible, um, incredibly intelligent individual. You'll hear it on the podcast. He thinks through things. He does his own analysis. He's what I would consider a free thinker. He's someone that thinks for himself and, and doesn't just accept what he hears or what he sees, whether that's from the news or any other location. He thinks for himself. And I find people that think for themselves instead of going with the flow to be very interesting because it's not easy to do, uh, especially in a, such a polarized environment as what we have uh, in politics today, for instance. Um, and we, we talk a little bit about that in the podcast. We don't get into that real deep, but it, it is true that what we're seeing more and more uh, is my side versus your side, the left versus the right, the conservative versus the liberal, uh, the, you know, the Christian versus the atheist, the, you know, and, and we have all of these pieces that we see on a daily basis. And I know that Perry is of the same mind that I am, is that we're a lot more alike then we are different and we have such a tendency to focus on our differences and align with one side or another based on, uh, well, you believe this and you do this. So you are X and that's, that's not true. It's, it's in fact, it's, it's false. <laughs> you know, they, uh, I have friends that believe things that I find completely unconscionable and I have friends that, think that some of the things that I believe are completely wrong, but we still stay friends. And, and one of the reasons why this is so important in today, in today's society, especially is because if we can't find common ground to bond over, if we can't realize that we're more alike than we are different, then our society will ultimately break down. Uh, we, we see it in, throughout the world where two sides can't come together or more than two sides can't come together and just say, you know what? I don't believe what you believe. You don't believe what I believe, but 
that doesn't mean that we can't be friends, that we can't love each other, that we can't have empathy for each other, that we can't find common ground because that's not true. We can. And you're going to hear some very interesting stuff in this podcast. I'm really excited to get to it. Perry's going to talk some about his time in the arms, uh, the armed services. He's going to talk some about the things that he saw when he was overseas. And I'm excited for you to be able to hear what he has to say in regards to that because we need to value our fellow human beings so much more than we do. I, I think we see that in some of these in some of these stories and some of these journeys. So today, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get started and listen to this uh, plain ordinary conversation, which is anything but with Perry Hayes. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> We're happy to have you. You really are. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are, are you from Alabama originally? Yes. Um, born and raised in uh, St. Clair County. Our family has been in Alabama since 1821. Came over from Scotland, uh, Newberry, South Carolina, and then Hayden, Alabama. And then uh, my grandfather moved to Moody back in the 50s. We've been here ever since. That's good. That good long history here in Alabama then. Yeah. We uh, left Scotland about the time the Battle of Culloden was going on, 1740s. Wow. Oh, that's got to be amazing to be able to trace your history back that far. It is. It's uh, very interesting, and it's sad that a lot of people can't. It is. I, I can't. Uh, and in fact, we tried to trace the Clifton family history back, and we got uh, a couple generations. But in Kentucky, uh, where all of the records were, they all burned down one year. And so, it, it, like, it just stops, and there's no way to figure out... <laughs> From there, because everything was paper records back in the 1800s and so forth. And so that was it. And, and you know, when I go back and try to take a look at, like, my last name, you know, it's people from a cliff in England. But, you know, I don't know what cliff or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. There's no direct tie there. None. Maybe they're trying to erase your uh, royal history. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Conspiracy is what it was. (laughs) Possible. It it is very possible. (laughs) (laughs) So then uh, how how was was, uh, grade school and high school for you? Um... I have a different story than most. Uh, I think most went to government schools and knew the people that they lived around. But my parents sent me to private school for 13 years. And it was quite different, but I didn't know it at the time until Mm -hmm. I graduated and got out in the world and um, found out that it was different. I had seven people in my graduating class, pretty much the same teachers for 13 years. Mm -hmm. Good, clean folk, but a bit different. Um, So when I graduated, I um, went to uh, IT for computer-aided drafting. And then that's when uh, I think the real world kind of started closing in on me that I didn't know it existed before, really. Uh, I was well sheltered. Sure. Um, and then um, right after that, I joined the Army. Uh, I was 21. It was quite different. I enjoyed so, it. So you, you came uh, out of a private school. That's right. And pretty much fairly sheltered. And then you went to ITT to do computer-aided drafting. What made, why did you switch from that into the next thing? Uh, well, um, I'm, a, I'm a big um, follower of Tesla. And one of his things that he was always able to do is um, take an exploded view of something that wasn't even designed yet in his mind, take it apart, put it back together, put it away, do other things, bring it back and fix one little part on that and then do it again. And I always thought that was a grand skill to have. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I saw computer-aided drafting, and I always enjoyed building things, whether it was boats or um, just anything when I was a child. And this kind of meshed with that. And I thought, well, I'll do this. Um, and you're supposed to know what you're going to do at 18, right? That's what the... <laughs> 
Well, that, that's how they tell us. <laughs> it's a preposterous us. idea, but that's how we do it now. And so um, I, I tried it. Uh, I didn't really care for it because it flung me into the cubicle world, mm-hmm. which was um, not even a little bit of what I wanted. And so I, I ran the other way as the pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined the military. Um, it was the National Guard. And I served 12 years for um, the special operations um, of support for them. And enjoyed that also. A lot of good guys. Got to see the world. Very interesting. Uh, but that wasn't what I wanted to do either. And at this point, people started getting frustrated with you. Like, we started, we graduated high school. We either went to college and we went, or we got a job at some soulless corporation. And you must do the same thing. And I just felt amiss because I didn't feel like I wanted to do it. I loved to work. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to waste time. And that almost seemed hubris to me to waste time. If you're there doing something that you don't want to do, some aspects, that's wasting time. Sometimes you have to, but for a, for a life career, no, it was not for me. So I kept searching. Well, I can understand that. I, you know, I went to college, uh, I went to community college for a little while uh, because I've always enjoyed education. Like I, I love learning things, uh, but I, I didn't, at a certain point, I was like, well, you know, I, I don't want to declare a major because I don't know what I want to do yet. And I don't just want to perpetually go to school either. Maybe I need to get out of school and find something and then maybe I can come back to school if I need it you know Um, but for me it was more of a value proposition because I was like why would I be spending this much money and not know where I'm going with this kind of thing like you know uh, but that's a different limiting belief of mine (laughs) so I can I can definitely empathize with that thought process for sure and I think a lot of us can and I'm not so sure that it shouldn't be looked at and not try to force these social parameters of tradition that we have on just everyone everyone must go to a factory school that that's the way it is nowadays and everyone must choose one of these um what they call them careers nowadays mm-hmm. you, you have to and it's given little time because you're always thinking and, and you're not being mindful and i think if we're taught and trained at a young age to be mindful and not to think so much that you you, you might fall into something that you really enjoy mm-hmm. and then that's when you're very helpful for everyone else is when you're at the top of your game and you're only going to be there if you very much enjoy it if you're at the top of your game it benefits everyone Mm -hmm. you don't want someone in the wrong position we've all been there that's good for no one (laughs) but the 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 way it's kind of developed now it's um it's it's very alien to me Mm -hmm. and it and uh, what else is strange is everyone most everyone feels at home with it yeah it's interesting um that whole concept of there are well-defined paths that you have to choose right you choose this path to become a scientist or this path to become a uh, you know a doctor or or whatever the case may be and you know for i know that when i was growing up you didn't really think outside that box much you, there's you no know. box to think outside of <laughs> right. yeah yeah there's, that's it we found all these things mm-hmm. there are not even questions anymore we're giving you answers and then you move on but just for a moment what if those answers they gave you aren't correct and shouldn't you at least ponder that you should right but mm-hmm. that's not the way it is this this is unequivocally the way it is move along mm-hmm. yep. and it, that's egregious to me well and i i find uh, that we're more aware of people get trying to get out of that than we were in the past i i, I assume that there have always been people that have been trying to find their own paths but until we've had the the type of 
connectivity that we have with the invention of the internet to be able to connect with people around the world and see that there are different different uh, scenarios than we knew existed. I think we are able to see more of that now than we were, say, when I was growing up, because we couldn't see, you know, the people that did the things like the Steve Jobs and the so forth mm. um, to build whatever, um, you know, that didn't follow those normal paths. Uh, you know, you didn't, you only heard about them as an anomaly. It was only right. the, the, this person was able to, to escape orbit and do this, mm-hmm. but that's not for everybody. No, no, you're part of the Commonwealth. You keep your head down. You have to get a job and pay your taxes. You have to buy a car and, um, and have a note on it for five years and a 30 year mortgage uh, on your house. That's the way you do it. It's they, well, it's, they're shoving you into this category that can only be described as a sharecropper. Oh yeah. And some ways yeah absolutely well i I would think in all ways (laughs) well well they are yeah if we take a look at uh education for instance it's not really to my way of thinking normal to put small children in a room and have them try to sit still for eight hours and and learn things right that's that's not natural and that's not the way that education was done for most of history it's only the last few hundred years during the industrial revolution where we needed factory workers to be able to do a repetitive task for eight hours at a time or 16 hours at a time or however long they had to work. Uh, And we started training them very young to be able to do that type of work. And now that the industrial revolution is changing to a technology, more of a technology driven type of revolution, we don't have nearly the need for that now. And so what, what you see happening to some degree is that people coming out of the industrial revolution education mindset are coming out into the real world where that is not the case anymore and now we're lost you know now now we're trying to figure out how do we make a living because you know we've been borrowing money for so many years and we have all this crippling debt mm. you know how how are we supposed to how are we supposed to function now and, and it's different it, it is different um, but everybody doesn't necessarily see it that way all the time either you know I mean I think there's but I think we're being able to see it more and more like that the vast majority are blind to, to this and well, and that's kind of how it happens. They, they, here I, here I go, I do an air <laughs> quotes to the ominous they, um, but it's, they start brainwashing you at a very young age. And it's true. Um, they call it the amnesia barrier and, and everyone sort of does it. it for instance, say you, you hold three different subjects um, in your head to all be true, but each one of those are contradictive to, to one another. People do this all the time and it's trained to do this. And that amnesia barrier, it almost can almost be thought of like a waffle. This one is totally here by itself. And then this one is here, totally here by itself. And they don't have to work together. But in reality, they do work together and they have to work together. And if they don't make sense to one another, then they don't make sense. But so then you've got this person that has this dual mindset. Now, he, he can't trust self. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what to think unless told. All these things are also a uh, little by little put into you. They, they don't want a free thinker. Knowledge is not the quest there. It's indoctrination is what it is. And yeah, that sounds cliche, but once you start looking into it, that's exactly what it is. It's it's not for the benefit of us. These factory schools, public education, which is co-work for government education, is gearing to this whatever whatever they do, all the changes, it stays on that direct azimuth to enslaving us. Whatever they do. So if it was just happenstance and, and they were doing this and they're trying and they fell at this and throw more money at it like a lot of people think and they're just missing the mark then your shot pattern would be all over the target but that's not the way it is
is. They have a very tight shot pattern. And so then you have to understand that that's been engineered. There's logisticians out there and someone from every skill level from the top to the bottom making sure, ensuring that this happens on time and to whom we want it to happen to. And the ones and the ones that we don't were selected and um, they're not part of the Commonwealth. Y'all can't hear, uh, see the air quotes, but, but there's there. a lot of them. They're you, there. They, they, they need there. to be there. They're, they're there. <laughs> Rest assured. So, uh, um, why did you? Uh, I, I'm curious. Why did you decide to leave the army? Was it just time, or, or were there any uh, defining moments where you're like, you know what, this? And the reason I ask is that because you know, I work in technology, and uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was looking at a computer screen with all these numbers and so forth, and I was working from home, and I turned to my wife and I was like, "Do you real? Do you understand anything on that screen?" And she said, "I don't." And I said, "You know what? I do," and that really bums me out. <laughs> because I'm looking at a bunch of numbers and I understand it. Like it all makes sense and I don't feel like that's really where I should be, what I'm, I should be doing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, I think we all have those kinds of moments. So that's why I was kind of curious in, in regards to that. Yeah. I just, um, suffice it to say that we disagreed the army and I on, well, I, I think that, um, this is a load of questions. So I'm, <laughs> I'm shoveling things back and forth. I can't say that. I can't say this. Um, I think when you're young, you're able to either not care or to, to overlook certain things. And as you get older, um, you know, everything has to filter through those things that you learn, all those precepts you set up and you like some and you dislike some. They all have to filter through that. And so when I got to the point where I had so many precepts and and the army started to filter through, I could see, I believe more clearly that that this was a complete and a waste of time. It's, you you get one story for the populace here and then you get one story for us and then there's a third, at least a third one going on there and it's not what you think and once I found that out I just they can do it without me mm-hmm. I, I can no longer be party to this um, not that anything was egregious or terrible it was just the stories they would tell us the reason we were there are not the real reasons and it's obvious what the real reasons are but if they the media keeps saying a certain thing over and over people just buy it even though it's obviously not true people buy it and that's the difference between what what was just this propaganda from the media versus what's actually going on? Just a huge disconnect there. Did you do any you know, any time overseas? I or? did. I was deployed twice uh, to Iraq, and and that's really kind of at, at, at that point I was, it was like, well, this this is fruitless here. So which now? So what's the time frame? The, because you know we've we've been we've been in Iraq for a while yeah. off and on, uh, almost as long as I can remember. So um, what what time were you? So the doing? first deployment was to Mosul. I was there in 2004 to 2005. And um, so this was pretty early on. This is right after the push. We were at uh, one of Saddam's uh, castles, blown up castles in Mosul. And so we were stationed there for a year. So you could then see what was going on versus what, you know, BBC or whomever's putting out. That's not accurate. That's not even trying to be accurate. Um, And so it was just, it was never going to happen what they said was happening. It was never going to happen. And so then if we're still there, and all this money has been put into it, it must be doing what they want it to do. They're just lying about what they want. <laughs> and so just for personal nefarious reasons, if, reasons, it feels like that we were there, but we were told that we were there for, for the good of us. Mm-hmm. And
and that's just not the way it is. Of course, you know, it, this is not unique. I mean, I think all these major conflicts, you know, World War One was the first time we ever had a world war, and that has never happened before. What's the difference? Why did it change? And this thing keeps rolling on, you know? You don't contemplate things like that when you're when you're 18. You just want to go see stuff, hang out with your friends, and, um, you know, you know you're told you're doing doing, doing God's work, right? Right. That's, yeah, that's what the commercial said. And plus, they got a bonus, right? God's yeah. work with a bonus. That's Boom. right. And you, do, and you do more before 6 a.m. than most people do all day, right? Yes. Yeah, Army strong, uh, yeah. I say now. I think yeah. it is. So you saw a big difference between what was being fed to the masses, what was being fed to the soldiers, to to the right. uh, uh, to the ranks, um, and it didn't sit well. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, well, you know, that shouldn't be done in any relationship. Sure. And this was, a, you know, a, a rather large relationship, and so every word mattered that much more. Um, so that was the first appointment, and the second one, uh, I went back to Iraq, 2012, 11, 2011, and about that time, Iraq is closing down, and we were one of the last units there. Uh, we were closing uh, one of the, the big bases, and it, it was at the the beginning, it was nothing there but uh, you know arid deserts, and then when we left, there was nothing there but arid deserts, and billions of dollars were dumped into this. At least before people could walk up and down the street, and I mean there were Christian churches over there, and Saddam had it didn't bother him that much. Um, but now you can't can't have that. Uh, whether you think that's good or bad, at least there was some semblance of peace. There were, you know, Muslims trying to get along with Christians, and it, and it worked. I think a lot of people don't know that, that um, during Saddam's reign, there was Christian churches all over Baghdad. Really? And, and yeah, and, and now, I mean, no way. So, I don't know. Well, and that certainly wasn't the story that, that we heard, or, right. you know, at least not from mainstream media, because I know, I remember, I grew up during that time frame, you know, the stories we're told is, hey, you know, this is an awful, awful regime that, you know... You know, uh, we worked for the CIA for 42 years at that point. <laughs> It yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Saddam Hussein. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And um, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, that's that. that I mean, that's fine. The the uh, well, and I understand that there are also some some ties between, you know, uh, some of our politicians and and Hussein and, and some of, of the others, Osama bin Laden. And so there are some ties, family sure. ties sure. as well. And those are all, all never put out into the open when when <laughs> you're, not, you're of course not. You're not giving any <laughs> discretionary knowledge to make any uh, wise choices for you and yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, when when we attacked is because that um, Saddam invaded Kuwait and Kuwait, uh, OPEC, the USD. Um, that started. Well, that's something that is not done. You do not challenge uh, the um, bank of issue. You do mm-hmm. not do that. And that's what was going on. And that's why he got snuffed out. Um, uh, among other reasons that I, I'm not sure sure we. Um, but a lot of uh, the museums that uh, had um, ancient Mesopotamian uh, figures and art had, were destroyed, mm-hmm. and then others were not destroyed. They were taken. Um, you can think of that what you will. I don't know how you know they choreographed all this or who did, right? Sure. But there was a lot that were not, and there's video of it. It's not just that we're demolishing it. Some were taken. And so then you go, well, what, what was in there so important that they didn't want you to know about? Or was it just that uh, a collector wanted it that much that, you know, 
know, it, it, that's hard to believe, right? Mm-hmm. The cost of this it was so much. It had to be another reason. Um, and that's another uh, world tragedy that went on. All these ancient relics that cannot be duplicated again, of course, are, are gone. Mm-hmm. Someone has them. Where are they? Why can't we see them? Why did you take them from us? You know, it's, the museum, anyone could go and look at it. Now, no one knows. Mm-hmm. What is something that, as a uh, as a member of the armed services, that you saw that the rest of us didn't see? Like, do you understand my question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like what, uh, what, what, what? Either view or perspective. What's something that we wouldn't know? I'll give you an example. When I was, uh, when I worked on the um, presidential campaign back in '04, uh, and I was in D.C. proper, and I would watch what was happening on the news, what was being said on the news, <laughs> but I was in the campaign, so I realized that there was a huge disconnect sure. between what was really happening and what they were reporting. Right, mm-hmm. and so I had to learn how to read between the lines. You could do it if you if you were willing to take the time and then do some outside research. <laughs> uh, you know, then, then what you, you could shouldn't do, have to do this, by the way. You shouldn't, right? right? But they should just be reporting the facts, right? right. And and that doesn't happen uh, very frequently anymore. But that you know. It, we're, we're way too involved in opinion pieces and my sure. side versus your side and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, but I begin to understand that it's almost impossible for the average American, the average person to be able to do that because they have to spend their entire life just surviving. They don't have the time necessary to be able to even do that. Even if they were able to think through that thought process, survival takes a lot of our time. It does. Um, I think that's a separate question than... The one do I did I notice yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah. But I was, I'd like uh, to come back to that one. We can do that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. For one, was that um, you know I thought when I, uh, I went to Iraq, all of it was going to be just completely desert, but that's not the case. What the, the very northeast extreme parts of Iraq, there was um, large conifers, um, beautiful water like white water. Really? Yeah. And um, the the people there um, were Kurdish, which means uh, nomadic, non-Arabic, mm-hmm. uh, and most of them were Izidi, uh, not not Muslim. And so I asked one of them, I said, well, what's Izzidi? And he didn't speak Kurdish. So we're doing this Tarzania thing, you know, like Mijan. <laughs> you know? So he starts doing this bird. And, and finally, 10 minutes later, it's, I said, it's a peacock. And he said, yeah. I said, you pray to a peacock? And he said, yeah, basically. Hmm. And um, so I never got any further uh, in Izzidi than that. But they were not Muslim and they were not Arabic. But they lived in this region surrounded by, because it's Syria and then Turkey and then Iraq's below them. And um, so they, uh, they were very very Western. They had uh, a Mozzie Mart, which was based on like a Sears or JC JCPenney's. Um, kinda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they tried. But it was very clean. Um, you didn't even have to carry a gun. Um, it was just they had a large Ferris wheel. They had restaurants. Um, but it was different. You would They would still have these bazaars and, and anything went there. Anything was for sale. Um, there was one guy that hunted fox uh, locally and he had just hundreds of foxtails around his little tent there. Uh, and I think he ate them. Not sure. Um, but then other guys would have gold or silver that they would fashion themselves and they were artists mm-hmm. but the most striking thing that surprised me was how well they ate really Th- the countrywide uh, whether you're talking about the sand blown deserts of the south or the more forested parts of the north the, as for a third world country versus this first world nation it was they ate so much better first of all there's nothing GMO absolutely nothing the families have been growing it there for I don't know how long and they have just the, 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 the beautifulest colors 
pictures of uh, beans and dates and peppers and rice they grew and grain and the goats and the sheep and they would have just phenomenal food and so much of it it was just like Indiana Jones remember Indiana Jones he has the monkey and he's eating the dates right before the monkey gets poisoned Mm -hmm. by the dates Mm -hmm. we're walking through these these huge bags of like peppers like this burlap sap that's sack that's been rolled on the corners and he's just overflowing with food well that's the way it was for just blocks and blocks and blocks and it was so inexpensive it was silly really absolutely they eat so much better than us and they were so friendly the the people I saw they were just so friendly unless they've been indoctrinated by somebody else it's like yeah because we're an occupying force right Mm -hmm. still being an occupying force they were very friendly and uh, just interested to find out who you are what made you tick what's the difference between you and me Mm -hmm. and come to find out there's more similarities than there are differences and that's pretty much wherever you go you know they have children they care about and if the house gets dirty they clean it up you know they shoe dogs away and you know well there's a lot of things they're the same so they were they were friendly even yep. to the to that that is fat yeah. because you would I, I would think that they wouldn't be that you know well i have a, a interesting story to kind of fortify that um so we were in a uh, tower watchtower one day and we had um, a couple of at that point was uh, ing iraqi national guard and we have an interpreter with us and um i was telling them that uh, i like to try all these flat breads and olives and dates and this cheese and you know my mouse water and, and um he's like well I'll, I'll bring you some of course this tar- tarzania thing's going on again so he does he brings me this big cheese platter i think it's made out of a uh, whole goat milk mm-hmm. and this all this unleavened bread so he said keep it in the refrigerator and i did and i ate on it for two or three days and it was absolutely delicious it was kind of like a, a a non-flavored salty yogurt that was been frothed but it was really good with bread and that's what it was intended for mm-hmm. um so and it was two or three days it went by and i ran into one of his friends and he said do you still have that guy's bowl and i said yeah i'm almost finished with it he goes well that's the only bowl his family's got like that was it you know that's the and i felt so bad oh, so yeah. the next time we went um on a convoy to a px i bought that stainless steel set and brought it to him and gave it to him and uh, I, I didn't get to talk to that guy ever again um i never saw him again but his friend said he cried when he gave it to him he said this, this is more than you know they had four or five six pots in there and mm-hmm. and they just absolutely loved it so i mean he went out of his way so much for him the only pot he had uh to give this guy this an occupying force in his country and so i think that's testament at least to this unnamed individual that i remember of um of them trying i guess so um that's very fascinating to me like that that is that is incredibly fast and what an amazing story really i mean on both parts so there is there seems to be uh at least a perception of a sentiment against different cultures different people um that exists uh, we saw it uh, and it was fairly well accepted after you know world war one world war two where we used a lot of slang towards other peoples sure. you know um well even even in some debates and not too recent not too long ago we, we saw some people saying you know hey I, i'm happy that i was able to shoot this you know jap and right. and so forth um wh- what is your reaction to that type of attitude uh after seeing what you've seen i don't think it's innate in most of us uh, whether whatever race you're talking about now there there are racial differences and there are cultural differences absolutely and wait till i finish people before you crucify me here <laughs> but it is very difficult to live in a multicultural society for this reason is that the ominous they will always pit you against the ones that look different than you not to say that they're better or you're better or they're worse that has nothing to do with it if there is a difference they will find that difference and they will use it as a splinter 
exploit it. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. And they and to prove it, look at history. All genocide has run on ethnical lines or religious lines. Every one of them. So they love a multicultural society. Get them in there, and then they split them apart. And you can see that now. you got the fake left. Everybody knows it. The fake right. Everybody knows it. And then if you don't own to one of these tribes here, then you're out there in limbo land, and you're not doing your due diligence. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way they kind of phrase this to you. There, there are evil people out there, sure. But I think it's very few. I, I've talked to police officers and in these small towns, and they'll tell you who the bad people are. And there's only a few of them. If a town is ten or 12,000 people, there's only a handful of people that keep doing the same thing over and over that's bad, right? So we know who the bad people are. The vast majority, so what that tells us, the vast majority are doing what they're supposed to. They're not bothering anybody. They're not doing anything. So this, again, I think helps stand up this whole idea that it's it's, it's not innate for us just to hate. And you know, it's it's a hard thing to go to, to, to war with another culture, right? Like, you, how, do, how does that happen? How, how at one point in time does someone in Alabama get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go kill some people in Russia? And what does the Russian guy get? He gets up in the morning and is like, I, I'm going to go kill a bunch of people from Tennessee today. doesn't happen that way. How does it happen? And in looking into it, it's, 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 it's fascinating and, and evil. And I think that that's part of it. They're always trying to drive a wedge into you and make you feel um, different. And then at any point in time, if they want to villainize that aspect that, that they made you to go into this tribe, they can they can do that. And when they do that, they pull the rug out from underneath you. And then they can say, see how bad they are? And then and here we go. And then, then, then the fabrics of society is pulled back and you see what's there. And it's hideous. Well, that's and that's a great perspective, really. Uh, and one that uh, that you are qualified to give, you know, because you've been there and, and you've done that. And even though I may feel the same way, you've actually seen it in action. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to say that. And that, that's always been one of the things that's frustrated me when we have conversations about what we do as a society, whether it's political or financial or, or, or any of those things. It's It always frustrates me when they try to separate and say it's us versus them and so forth. Because like you, I believe that we're a whole lot more alike than we are different. I'm sure we are. You know, yeah. for sure. You decided to, uh, are, are there any are there any other stories you'd like to tell from your time over there? Um <laughs> No, not really. I okay. just, I really had a good time. It was, it was really like a, a vacation to us. Um, I mean, it was, uh, it was long, dusty, hard, dry days, but, but you're young and you enjoyed stuff like that. And I looked at it as an adventure, but I think what I appreciate most about it, and I guess I'll sum it up with this, that uh, it gave me a different perspective mm-hmm. and I'm always looking at a different perspective on the same subject and all of us sh- should be, you know, after the same thing. Um, it gave me a different perspective on it and not that it couldn't change again, but, and then I'm glad that that happened, you know, that I could see that and um, because I think you know if you're told something and, and you say well I know it well that's one thing and that's one tier but when you're there and you see it and you live it that's a different kind of knowing and I'm, and I'm glad I have that mm-hmm. so yeah that was uh, it's a very good time in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, at least I can reflect back on it get something positive from it sure <laughs> so how did you find transition back into the civilian world was it easy hard how, how was that for no, you no civilian world has always been strange to me anyways you get strange people thinking strange thoughts <laughs> that's a good point you know so it's strange when I get I you know it wasn't any more stranger to go to a, a third world country where people are shooting at you than to come over here and see mindless zombies trying to run over you on the interstate and in the look in their face is absolutely n- no feeling at all they, they have no care in their eyes for you mm-hmm. you know so it wouldn't it wouldn't strange any any more than when I left it was still the strange odd place that uh, that I tried to I guess looking back on is always uh, steer 
steered away from. Did you feel more comfortable in in the service versus, or it was just all about the same? It's just you've been always kind of looking for the yeah I'll, where I'll, you want to be. Yeah, I always look at myself as a sojourner. Gotcha. Um, that it's not that I don't feel at home, but I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Um, it's not that I felt more at home in the military or here. I just I think it's just my strange outlook on things that I, I don't know a word. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> You'd have to see my face, and it'd be oh, I get you. I, I got gotcha. you. All right. <laughs> so uh, once once you got out, what 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 path did you continue down then? Oh wow. Um. So let's see. Um. What did I do next? So we have a pressure washing company. Uh, my father-in-law and I. Uh, we have been doing that and um carpentry, um lawn maintenance, sort of anything I could do. Uh, not to be in a W two employee. Mm-hmm. People look up what that word means. Employee there. <laughs> um, I did not want to be that. Um, so it didn't matter what I did. Uh, everybody's was always worried about their career occupation, and that's how they uh, found uh, status. That it wasn't it wasn't my idea at all. It was just something to I don't know to put food on the table until I figured out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea what that was. And who could tell you? And oh, yeah. I know that I didn't like school. I know that I didn't like busy work. Um, and most people made me sorrowful. I think because it seems that they there's so much more there than they're utilizing, mm-hmm. and not for riches or wealth, just to find something meaningful, truly meaningful for them to do, and then there may be a glimmer of happiness. But that's not what people do. It seems like it seems like they go after this this idea of happiness, right, which is elusive to them, and they're always looking for that. So they go through divorce and all these different opiates, and uh, which is a crisis in our country now. Mm-hmm. And 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 they're always well. I don't understand how some people can be happy. We're we're not told things at an early age about ourselves mm-hmm. that that we're very complicated, but we have found a lot of things out that we're not utilizing nowadays. And I think if we did, you would have more time to be mindful and not to think and, and, and to look for meaningful tasks and, and in there maybe find some happiness. So I, I think I, I kind of steered away from people because of that. It seemed like most everyone wanted that, but me, I didn't want it. Oh, I didn't want that. I didn't know what I wanted, but I just stayed away from it. So after uh, carpentry and pressure washing, um, we um, started thinking about an outfitter mm-hmm. um, here where we live. Um, on Big Canoe Creek. We toyed around with it for as well as soon as we moved here, uh, which was uh, about 11 years ago. And uh, so one day I just took the chainsaw and started cutting down trees. I'm like, this is where I'm going to put an outfitter. Mm-hmm. And so the thought process behind it was I enjoyed kayaking. I enjoyed being home with my family and I enjoyed people who enjoyed and appreciated the outdoors. That genre of people, I have never found evil in them. If they truly like the outdoors, they've, well, it was a really quick way to to figure out someone. Interesting. And so, if we follow this path, I've got good people coming. I'm doing what I enjoy, and I know my family's safe. So it was like a win-win-win. Yeah. So uh, we tried it. it. It did well enough that we can open up next year, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I like being outside. I like sweating. Um, I like talking to different people, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy looking for that strange subjects that people are not they've probably never compl- uh, thought about in their whole life, and you broach this at the wrong time Mm -hmm. and the look on their face like I don't have time for this or uh, are you crazy I very much enjoy that (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's awesome it's it's not even a bit I'm doing you know like Ernest P it's just 
just it's just what I this is what I enjoy doing and and um and people are fascinating you know there's so much talent out there and and I and I think that's kind of I think it's always bothered me that there's so much talent out there that's just going by the wayside because they're at a busy job mm-hmm. you know they're an accountant or they're a banker or they're an attorney or they're whatever oh this is busy work we can live just fine not just survive without all that thing that you think you have to do oh sure we don't need this giant infrastructure this is my thought process so I guess naturally um I just fell into this niche that was predestined for me <laughs> <laughs> so um I have I've been lucky enough to meet your family you have an amazing family um you know when my wife and I you know stumbled down here to hit the water and 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 you know and, and talk with you all we, you know we've we've been just so impressed uh you, you, well, know, you, you. you have a great family um whereabouts so whereabouts did you meet your wife and how, how did that take ah, shape um so I was 21 even after 13 years of an evangelical school I went back to church to find a girl oh yeah well. and it worked <laughs> uh rather quickly I must say <laughs> um so we uh I, I was 21 so I could drive the rented van on this college and career so parents listen to this uh college and career trip to Gatlinburg and that's where I met my wife Megan for the first time yes and it was love at first sight love at first yeah. sight for both of you <laughs> no I don't know we've never talked about it oh because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always tell my wife that uh, that I was in love with her from that uh, we, we met on eHarmony so I always told my wife that I knew I was in love with her from the first I am conversation that we had it there was it was a great conversation we hadn't met face to face or anything like that she was witty and intelligent had all these these you know challenging questions to you know to suss me out and you know <laughs> am I okay or am I some creep you know that kind of thing and and I really enjoyed that and so I knew right then I was like because after that was over I actually turned to my cousin who ended up being my best man at the wedding uh, and I said this is the one I'm pretty sure this is the one that I'm gonna marry and he was you like, didn't tell her that though, did you? I didn't tell her that okay. I, I know better than <laughs> I tell her that I, I did later sure. many many years later after the rings were already on the fingers <laughs> then I was like yeah she's like no nah, you didn't do that mm-hmm. that strange mm-hmm. meter, meter that she has would have pegged out if you'd said that it's, I love you <laughs> it would have been over <laughs> yeah that's usually the way it works so you met uh, Megan at, at on the career trip mm, yep um, and then I asked her out after we got back and then um, I think the, the next weekend it was Valentine's around that time I think if I remember this has been 20 18 years ago so um, anyways I asked her out and we dated for a while and then I went to basic training and AIT and all that and then she was still here um, which you know so then uh, <laughs> then we got engaged and uh, we got married and started a family and it was uh, and it was so easy I, I think you know people always told me well Perry you don't know how you're going to act when you get shot at or people Perry you don't know how you're going to act when you get married or you don't know how you're going to act when you have a child it has all been exactly the way I thought it would be there has been no difference absolutely absolutely yep it's exactly the way I thought it Uh, I would love my children I would protect them and I would like to hang out with them as much as I could and that's exactly the way it is how many kids do you have four I have uh, three daughters and a boy uh, 16 13 4 and 2 wow you're girl 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 boy I can't even remember how old my two are. So Don't start asking me names, <laughs> especially middle names. I got called at a, a family reunion, and you know how aunts are. She's like, "Well, so 
what's what's that one's middle name? And I just drew a blank. And everybody just turns, looks at me with a plate of turkey. I'm like, oh God, I can't remember her name. It doesn't mean I don't love her as much <laughs> as the other ones. I just don't know her name right now. And I just felt like running. And I don't know how it ended up. But um, I think mom or someone said, uh, hey, your name's Elizabeth. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's Elizabeth, of course. And it still didn't make sense to me when they told me because I was searching so hard. If I found it, I wouldn't even know it. You know? Uh, that's awesome. That's a great story. Well, you have you have amazing kids. I you know because I they they help you here with the um, with the outfitter and uh, I mean my wife and I have talked numerous times about how I've marveled at how just amazing your your kids are uh, in in helping and in, in the way they conduct themselves. Uh, definitely something to be proud of. You got an amazing family. Thank you very much. We spend as much time as we can with them. Um, my wife homeschools them. She was a teacher, but she um, she homeschools the children and they are thriving there. They love it. They go once or twice a week. It depends on what grade yeah, but to a uh, homeschool network. So they, they get to see other children, and but they absolutely love it. And when they're not at school, they're cooking or, sh- or uh, I'm showing them how something works and we're tear it apart. Let's look the inside of this thing and see what makes it go tick tock. Mm-hmm. I've always had that attitude with them, however old they were. Let's find out why. And um, they're lovely, bright, intuitive um, children, and they're very valuable here. Uh, they're hard workers, and at this point, I don't even have to correct them. I mean, they're they're little mini me's, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's the you know you you download all your precepts on your children. Be like, all right, dust your hands off, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> they're almost like me now. Yeah, I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need friends when I get older. There's no doubt, and I'm, I'm hoping they still like me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get there for sure. Is there is there anything that that you would like to tell people? Uh, you know, anything that you know that you just kind of feel like you'd like to share in regards to you know your journey or how you know it might affect their journey or, or any, anything along those lines. Yeah, you're being lied to. It's just about every avenue there is. Government doesn't do what you think it does. Hospitals don't do what you think it does. Cops don't do what you think they do. Look into it. That's it. I, don't believe me. Just just look into it. But it's an important thing. And the, what we have here is not just in America, but any civilized society is very hard to obtain. And and we've got it. And let's not tear it down before we figure out why it works, because we're losing that knowledge of how it was put together. Not one man in a million hardly knows the things that it takes to stand another one up. Mm-hmm. And just do your research and, and look into it and just don't believe everything that you're told on either side and, and find out something that's meaningful to you. And if you can't quit your job, well, don't quit your job, but do something meaningful. And in there, you might just find some happiness. Oh, I think it's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for coming out and spending some time with us here. You're welcome. Well, that was a pretty amazing interview. I, I really enjoyed some of the stories that Perry had to tell, and I, I really enjoyed his perspective on things. Uh, it doesn't always match up with mine. I, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, but I wanted to clarify just a couple things and just kind of touch base uh, before we talk about uh, any of the Plain Ordinary Dragon giveaways or anything like that. In the podcast, Perry talked about the Yazidi and how... Uh, he had communicated with them and they told him, you know, that they worship a peacock and so forth. So Yadizism uh, is a monotheistic faith. Uh, I looked it up on, on Wikipedia. Um, it's based in a belief on, in one God who created the world and entrusted it into the care of seven holy beings, uh, often known as angels uh, of the seven mysteries, I think. Preeminent among, among those is the peacock angel 
uh, or Malik Toss, I think it said. And guys, my uh, reading is one of has always been one of my uh, weak suits, so please forgive mispronunciation. But interestingly enough, traditionally the Yazidis who marry non-Yazidis are considered to have converted to the religion of their spouse. So when the the Kurd uh, told Perry that they worshipped a peacock, uh, you know, it was one of those angels of the seven mysteries. So uh, in case you're interested in checking that out, uh, there's plenty on the web. Uh, but it was interesting to be able to see that even the, the rough communication between Perry and the, and the Kurd that he met in Iraq to see how even without modern uh, communication, they were still able to be able to communicate because they were willing to really listen to each other. Maybe everything that Perry said doesn't ring true with you. Maybe everything I said or say doesn't ring true with you. But the important piece is not really whether it rings true to you or whether it doesn't. The important piece is that we can go ahead and take somebody's perspective and listen to it and then choose for ourselves what we believe or don't believe. That holds true for the mainstream things just as much as it does with the things that are more alt or not as mainstream. I think that we had, I, I really enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed a lot of what uh, Perry had to say, and I think it's a very interesting perspective, and it's something that we should cherish. The fact that we can have different perspectives and we can take a look at what one person believes and another person believes without degradating into insults or fights or or wars in some cases. So I'm really happy that we were able to get Perry on the on the podcast. We're going to have him back next year and we're uh, we're going to talk about some other things. So look forward to that. Now on to the giveaways just real quick. There's one more week. Not today, but a week from today, we're going to do all the giveaways that we have. Uh, we'll announce who the winners are and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to get entered for the you know guitar strap, then make sure you go out to iTunes and write a review. Uh, and if you want uh, to, to get any of the books, go out there and do the same thing. Write a review and we'll enter you in. And so we're looking forward to giving away the stuff. You know, we've got several books to give away and a guitar strap to give away. We're, we're excited about that. And, and I hope you are too. Uh, so, okay. Until next week, thank you so much. And remember you might be plain and you might be ordinary, but you're still a dragon. You're still an amazing creature and you can do amazing things. Get out there, be the dragon you are. Oh, I had one friend by my side.